I'm going to give some context for those of you that are newer to these AMAs or the POCUS community, and then we'll dive into the actual fun stuff, which is having Nam here. Um, so for those of you who have not been to an AMA yet, I am Alexa, I'm the CEO of POCUS, and we like to bring the community together for these AMAs to ask experts that are leaders in go-to-market at PLG companies how they did it. And really, this is a chance to ask all of your burning questions, no judgment, kind of really anything top of mind in a very low-key environment. And so Nam has promised me to share all of her secrets on all of the best topics of go-to-market and PLG and RevOps. So very, very, very excited to have her here. Um, so what we'll do is I'll give a quick intro to Nam. She'll intro herself. I have a couple of questions that I'd love for her to answer. And then really as things come up, just either unmute, ask your questions. You can do the little like raise your hand thing in Zoom, um, or you can write them in the chat and we'll make sure to answer all of your questions. Um, and if you haven't already, you can join the POCUS community on Slack if you want to learn more about the topics that you'll hear today. So I am very excited to have Nam here. I first met Nam. I think I heard Nam your name from 20 different people across the LinkedIn and Slack and Notion Mafia of just being a best in class kind of go-to-market leader at PLG Orgs. And um, it's really cool. I think of LinkedIn as very, very, very original PLG, same with Slack. And now I think of Notion as one of the best PLG organizations in the world. So it's been very cool to see kind of how you have progressed at, at all of these different PLG companies. And I'm sure you've had so many different learnings across that journey. So I'm very excited to not just chit chat over a dinner, but really get to like take all your insights and deliver them to the rest of the community that we have here. So I'm really, really honored and excited to have you and pick your brain on all these topics. So thank you for being here. And if you want to give a quick introduction, that would be awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Alexa. I think you're very kind in your introduction. I have been very lucky to be a part of some some amazing companies. Um, and so uh, I think that, you know, it's the right time, right place for me. Uh, but just a little bit of context and background uh, about me. Um, I started my career as a software engineer, actually. Uh, I used to be a coder and developer for QuickBooks Intuit. Uh, and really moved over to uh, the business side because I wanted to do problem solving at a much larger scale um, versus as an engineer and as an IC, you're thinking about very deep rooted problems. So I moved over to the to the business side and that brought me um, you know, to business school in the US as well as uh, the Bay Area um, and really worked on different companies. LinkedIn, as Alexa mentioned, there was focused on monetization, pricing and packaging. Um, and then I worked at Slack, where I focused on sales strategy. It was uh, immediately post-IPO, and then, of course, post-Salesforce acquisition. And now I have been at Notion for almost a year now, and it's been an amazing journey uh, throughout the, the you know, my time in go-to-market in across all these SaaS PLG companies. Awesome. Thank you, Nam. Maybe we can start out. You were at LinkedIn. You were at Slack. What does you know, go to market at a best in class PLG company look like? And then what of that are you adopting at Notion? And what are you maybe doing differently at Notion? Yeah, I think that as you think about best in class, uh, you obviously want to look at one of the things that matters a lot is the impact that the, this organization is driving, right? Obviously, what is the growth? What's the additional customer satisfaction, customer value 
that uh, the GTM teams are bringing to the organization, right? Um, and so I think that as I think about best in class, the different components are one, do you have the right, uh, how are you being able to, of course, drive the right results uh, from your GTM organization and uh, you know, the growth that is expected and bringing the products to all the customers uh, that can get value from it, right? Um, so I think that's the first piece. The second piece is really around being able to understand, to create a world where there is a very um, innate divide and conquer that exists, but also a strong collaboration. Um, and so I think that being able to create an organization that does both is very, very important. Third, I'd say is, you know, it's all about continuous improvement because we never start out perfect. Uh, it's all about iteration, like looking at the metrics, looking at the data to see, um, you know, what can be better? What can we do? What can we improve? So that's another key and important piece. And the last one is really the people and the, the team and the culture that is built within the organization. So I think that those are some of the four elements of um, a strong best in class organization that is that has been put, that I've seen across all these three different companies. What would you do kind of? Is there anything that you're doing differently in building out a RevOps team that you've seen that's not similar to those previous companies? Yeah, I think that, you know, my um, my my journey at Notion has been, uh, you know, there's definitely some playbooks that you can use, but there's been a lot of very first principle thinking that need, that needs to be done. When you're building something from scratch, you don't want to take a playbook and say, I've seen this before, I'm just going to apply it. You want to really be able to understand does this make sense in this context or do I need to just throw it out of the window and completely start from scratch, right? Um, and so I think that's the um, that's the difference that I've seen in, uh, in Notion where it really required a lot more first principles thinking than I would have expected. And so in the team that I built out, I brought in folks that can enable this first principles thinking. It's not just like, I've seen it before in X company, so I'm just going to try and do it again. But folks that are willing to challenge their current thinking and be like, what is, if, if we were to solve this problem the right way and we were to start from scratch, what could that look like? Having said that, there's obviously learnings from experience and past that is very, very valuable. And so understanding where the previous mistakes have occurred is and applying it to this context is also just as valuable. So I think balancing both those elements of experience and first principles thinkings have been has been has made this journey pretty unique in terms of building out uh, the RevOps team at Notion. It's a great point, and it's something I think about and screen for in interviews as well. Folks that can, I mean, I think first principles has become a bit of a buzzword, but when you break it down into actually saying what it is, like being able to think on your own without just copying and pasting a playbook from a former company yeah. because there is always going to be some differences is a really good call out. Um, of something to screen for. And we're always, we're always thinking about ways to screen for that in the interview process. So I, I'd be curious, speaking of that, you joined Notion. Notion is credible PLG company. I feel like everyone uses Notion. I live in Notion. Um, but the go-to-market function, RevOps and sales is earlier stage than some would probably imagine. And so you got there a year ago and are really building out RevOps from the beginning. And so what did that look like? Everything from kind of who did you hire first? What are you hiring now? Like, how do you screen for first principles? Uh, because also I think RevOps can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different orgs, right? Um, like you mentioned before, you cover a lot of different 
<laughs> kind of functions within RevOps, but what yeah. are those functions? Yeah. So maybe I'll start with giving some context on what we cover at Notion, because I know RevOps can be different in different companies and can mean different things. So at a high level, um, I'd say that RevOps is like the strategy and ops complement to the CRO, right? Uh, ultimately, whatever the CRO scope is, it deeply impacts what RevOps's scope is. And uh, our CRO owns uh, both self-serve and uh, and sales-assisted or sales-assisted motion in terms of revenue. And so the, the RevOps function is very much focused on supporting that. And so we have a strong sales element because obviously we're, we're scaling and building out our sales team. There's a pretty sizable marketing element to it, right? As you, as you think about not just demand gen, but growth marketing uh, uh, as well. There's CS and CX, right? Customer success and support. Um, there's also those pieces of it. And there is a strong connection, uh, even though we don't directly support them, is a strong connection with the growth team to understand uh, what are the different elements of the self-serve funnel are going to impact your customer journey and how that translates into um, you know, revenue for, uh, for the organization. Um, and so I think that uh, that's, the, that's the sort of high level scope of what we do. And so Alexa, to your point around, you know, who do you hire first, right? Who do you go after first? Um, I think it really depends on what you have to start with, right? Uh, and who do you have already? So um, I came into the organization and there were some folks, when I when I started, there were some amazing folks that uh, essentially did um, some basic sales ops functions and some BizTech functions. So as I thought about building the team, I really tried to understand what is the most dire need for uh, the the organization, and like really prioritized hiring because like when you're hire, when you're building a team from scratch, you're like I can hire like pretty much you know anything and anyone, uh, and like get started in a lot of different places. Um, and so for me, it was really about understanding the biggest need, and one of the things that came up was around sales enablement. Right there is as you're building out a team, being and as you're scaling a sales team, you need to have a really strong onboarding function. You need to create a sales methodology. You need to create proper sales stages and sales processes. That was highly underinvested in, and so we really needed to make sure that we were playing catch up on the enablement side. So my first hire was an enablement hire. I was like, okay, we really need to bring someone in that can do enablement, drive enablement, and really start thinking about this in a more structured way. So that was honestly uh, my first hire. And then after that, I really started, uh, I felt like my sales ops function was really uh, underinvested in. And so making sure that they had the right resourcing, uh, you know, as well. So understanding like what is the current workload and making sure that that happens because you're you're trying to support where the needs are first. And then you're thinking about things like uh, in a more, you know, six to eight months timeline, time horizon. Um, and so my first, six months was just around let's address the burning needs within the organization and my next six months have been like when we need to scale for the future what do we need right so i was able to be far more strategic in building out some extra functionality like you know do i need to build out an insights function do i need to like create extra resourcing around marketing ops such that the handoffs are tight and so i think that that was uh that was um that was sort of my strategy in building out the team, which is address the burning need and then, you know, spend some time really thinking strategically about where you want to take the organization uh, a few months um, from now. 
RevOps covers so many things at some organizations. I feel like just like five, six years ago, it was just sales ops. And now there's just so much more than that. And the scope goes way beyond it. And I think something that's interesting that you pointed to, a lot of people think of sales ops as, you know, they're the people that do Salesforce stuff, like, uh, but how you put it really being a strategic partner to the CRO. And I can say this because I was in RevOps before of that comment about just being in Salesforce. I'd always be like, no, that's not just everything I do. Um, but really thinking through how can you, whatever is top of mind for the CRO, how can you take it, operationalize it and make it happen? And I say this, I see this a lot in organizations because we primarily work with CROs and, and RevOps uh, functions of the best organizations have really strong partnerships between the RevOps leader and the CRO. And the companies that don't have that have often very dysfunctional <laughs> revenue teams. And so for you, it sounds like you have a really strong relationship with your current CRO as well as other CROs and sales leaders in the past. So how does that, how do you nurture and build those relationships and what are best practices for building that foundation and making sure that you're consistently speaking the same language? Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, like ultimately the CRO's responsibility is to drive revenue for the business. And as long as your goals and objectives are, are aligned with that, I think that connection becomes, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good starting point, right? Which is like your goal should be to really drive as empower the CRO even more to be able to drive revenue for the organization. And, uh, and it's really a supporting function, but it's a really critical supporting function where you are being able to enable and empower a leader to be able to drive proper influence, revenue, all of those different things. So I think that first it comes, it starts from aligning yourself to the goals, understanding the goals of who, who you're supporting and aligning yourself to that such that you're able to empower them and enable them, right? So that's the first piece. And then the how do you get to where you want to go? You may have different perspectives on that, and that's totally okay. It's your job to have a different perspective. But I think that that's where you have to have like proper dialogue on like how do you want to get there and like drive alignment and conversation across that relationship and provide that thought partnership to them such that they're able to really understand uh, what are the different ways to get to where you want to go? Because there are multiple ways to get to where you want to go. So I think that those two elements are uh, really important. And of course, you know, checking back in constantly. I'm a, I have, I'm a strong believer in a growth mindset. Nobody starts out perfect. Everybody gets, everybody gets feedback, and I think feedback is a gift. Uh, and being able to get that feedback, work on that feedback, and continuously iterate is just a really important thing. And so being able to create that comfort level where your CRO or your leader can give you feedback and uh, you can iterate on it and you uh, and you, you you reflect on it and you iterate on it, it's just an equally, equally important element because it's a very dynamic environment that we live in. And so you should expect constant change. That is, that is a great, great, great response. And I'm going to copy some of your answers, Nam, on <laughs> when I see, think about the world of, of RevOps. Um, you have a lot of questions that are popping up in the, in the Slack. So Dan, do you want to unmute and ask your first question? Sure. Um, from a PLG perspective, just knowing which customers to invest in and spend more time nurturing. And I'm curious if you found whether like the ICP, that customer fit, is a better indicator or actual usage of Notion and usage of your tools? A great, a great question. Um, 
And so I think that as you think about product-led sales and the, the way that the company has grown, there are certain products where, you know, you can have a more generic ICP that is agnostic to product usage. Of course, product usage is one element of it, but you have so, some other factors that are very different. So let me give you an example. In I would say in LinkedIn, um, the the external factors played a much sort of, a pretty strong role because when we were selling like talent products, we looked at hiring company hiring a lot, right? And that was like a much stronger indicator and and co far more correlated to uh, actual uh, revenue and sales and and deals like that. So in terms of ICP. It was more external, and we looked at specific kinds of industries and companies that were in that growth and hiring phase. As we move to Slack and Notion, these are two products. And, and the thing about LinkedIn is that you know it's pretty self-explanatory. You have a recruiting solution. You can get access to this network of people, and that's, that's really the value of proposition. You can reach out to them and email them. Very easy, very easy to explain. So it was... The ICP was more external based on um, the, the factors that were specific to the companies that they were going after. But in Slack and Notion, where these, these are both productivity tools, where the, the value may not be as self-explanatory because people for Slack, they were just like, it's just a chat tool. We're like, no, 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 it's, it's a new way to collaborate. It's a movement. It's not, it's not just a tool. That's when it becomes really important to rely on the product metrics because product usage is so important in delivering and showcasing the value because you may not be able to like articulate as well as showing the value once the person has used it. And so the ICP in that case becomes far more skewed towards the product usage than it is the external company related factors. And so I think it really depends on what kind of product uh, the company has, whether the value proposition is very easily explainable to the customer. Uh, and if so, it may be more external factors that you drive your ICP on. But on the um, on, in companies like Slack and Notion, where the value really comes from using the product and seeing the value, experiencing the value for the product, it almost becomes more interesting uh, to look at product usage, especially if you have a massive sort of online self-serve uh, pool that has signed up organically. That was a unique perspective that I haven't heard yet that I that I really appreciate of different types of companies, different metrics are going to be more important in driving kind of what is important. And I'm also thinking it also different stages of the company. Like LinkedIn is very yes. mature. Everyone knows who that was. Early days at Slack, not so much. So it kind of depends right. on that as well. Awesome answer. Venkat, do you want to unmute? Hi, Alexa. So, hi, Alexa. So, majorly, like, I just want to understand how is the PLS growth org structure in Slack Notion and what do you think are the major differences? I know it's a big question, but if you can cover some, like, how is the org structure in both the companies and uh, how, what are the major differences you see? You have seen. Oh, you mean LinkedIn and Notion? Is that the, is that the difference? The, the Slack and Notion. Slack and Notion. Okay, Slack and Notion. Uh, it's a great question. So um, in the um, in Slack, it was actually very different org structure where the self-serve portion uh, was very different from the Slack a sales assisted portion. So the CRO only owned the uh, our CRO Bob uh, at that point only owned uh, the sales assisted portion. And uh, the growth function was very much and was responsible for the sales assistant number. The growth function was sat very much in product 
and product was responsible for driving the self-serve, right, um, or the online. In Notion, it's slightly nuanced in that our CRO has the responsibility for both and also owns marketing and sales. So in Slack, marketing is to also report into a different uh, leader. So in uh, Notion, I would say the CRO function is a lot more all-encompassing, where they own um, sales marketing and they have a dotted line to, to growth, uh, but got growth still straight lines into the um, the product function, but there's a strong dotted line and connection to the CRO just because they're responsible for uh, more um, the entire um, self-serve as well as sales assistant motion. Was that clear, Maka? Did you get what you needed? Yes, yes. So because I was trying to set up a team, so wanted to understand the best practices. Yes, yes. And there are pros and cons to each approach. So uh, yes, definitely happy to chat offline on, on that if you want to. Sure, definitely. Thanks. Alexa, I think you're me. <laughs> Matt, do you want to go ahead? Yeah. Hey, th thank you so much for the explanation. This has been super helpful. I was curious, how do you think about face shifting with your team? Who do you up level? Who do you upskill? Where do you think about bringing in new leadership to round out a capability? Uh, you may be light on a quoting perspective whenever you first come in because it's not a big fire, but as you get upscale, quoting definitely matters. How, how do you think about that? Yeah, uh, great question, Matt. And so is the question specific to quoting or specific to the team around tooling, teams built around tooling? More more so the latter. How do you up-level your team? Where, where do you focus on building out better and stronger functions within your broader team? Yeah, great question. So I also... Um, have have led the best tech team at Notion for like eight, nine months now. And now the, we just hired uh, a, a new best tech leader and we're, I'm transitioning over. So tooling and technology is very, very, uh, very, very like near and dear to me because uh, I've been in deep in the weeds looking at code and trying to figure out, oh, is this right or wrong? Uh, so I think in terms of how do you up-level, uh, especially uh, around, you know, tooling and, and technology, I think that... And I'll take that lens. I think that it very much goes back to the basic principles of like, what are the needs of the business and really being able to assess that. And then how capable are you in the second criteria is how capable are you in providing the leadership um, that is needed to, uh, to ensure that this organization is successful, right? I think those are some of the, the two big things to consider. Um, and so, for example, in our best tech function, we did not have engineering capabilities. We had only focused on, you know, configuration capabilities. And so there were a lot of, uh, there was a lot of good folks that focused on just being able to configure the product and to understand the business needs and to be able to translate that. But in order for us to like get CPQ, to get like, uh, you know, some sort of a coding tool in place, we really needed to build out a, an engineering function, right? So that was a business need where that was driven from uh, the, the need to scale uh, quoting. And so I think the um, in in that case, like you have to really be able to say, okay, this is this is a, this is a specific new function that I built out. Um, and then do I like is, can somebody do it with from within or some of the contractors come in come into place or do I need to hire externally? Um, and so I think that's one piece of it. And the second piece of it is also around, you know, like the management layer that you create. So as a DevOps leader, as Alexa mentioned at the beginning, 
you're pulled in 20 different directions. Like every day is like one new story. And I'm sure a lot of people when you're on this call can empathize. It's like fire drill, you're running on one fire to another. And so like, how do you create, especially for tooling and technology, you need to have consistent prioritize leadership that can prioritize and make sure that delivery happens. Then you need to ask yourself, like, can you provide that leadership? Do you need a separate leader? to provide that level of expertise and oversight? And uh, do you have the ability to actually, for example, I had to, because it was an engineering capabilities, I personally had to look at some pieces where I was like looking, going in, into the technical weeds, but it had been years since I was an engineer. And so it was like, hey, we really need someone technical as well that can complement me, that can help uh, with this piece. Um, and so I think that, both those pieces give you a good sense for how you need to build the team because you think about this as very much as a, you know, if you if you think about this very much as a product manager, right, you think about who are your customers. Your customers is ultimately the business and the business needs. Suss out the business needs and then figure out how are you going to address this need? Are you going to address this with a person? Are you going to address this with technology? Are you going to address this with extra leadership? How is that going to be addressed? And so if you apply that, Again, first principles thinking to this problem, I think you end up like with the right solution to uh, in, to figuring out how exactly you build and scale and up level your team. Thank you. Thank you. Sandy, lots of love on your question if you want to ask it. Yeah. Um, I would just love to learn more about the process Notion follows to build go-to-market strategy from the ground up. I think talk to a lot of folks in the community that just, you know, feel lost as to where to start who should be involved, what kind of decisions need to be made to, you know, best enable the team. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically from like a product led sales perspective and how you think of the playbooks, the process, the tools, all of that. Um, if you could shed some light on how Notion does that. How Notion builds go to market strategy. Yeah. Is that, and, is that the question? And specifically around product led sales. Specifically around parkinson's. Okay, got it. Uh, that's helpful. I was just clarifying because I want to make sure that I get your answer right. Uh, okay, so I think that in terms of how Notion builds go-to-market strategy, um, I think there are. Now, I'll give you more the process of it, and then you you can we can go a little bit into specific areas if you if you if you want to, Sandy. Uh, but uh, I think that the really the the go-to-market strategy should be stemming from the company strategy. I think that the company strategy should be around where exactly you want to go as a business, what is the value that you want to deliver to your customers, and how do you want to transform their lives? Uh, and that is the, the high-level company strategy, right? Where do you want to go? How do you want to transform them? How, where do you drive value? And from that stems the go-to-market strategy, which is really around how do you take this company strategy? There are, of the company strategy, there are two elements. Underneath that, there's the product strategy, which is like, okay, how is product going to help deliver value? And then how's go-to-market going to take that value and make sure that it's delivered, tell this right story to the customers and all those different pieces. So I think from a process standpoint, it really should stem from a company strategy, the go-to-market strategy. And as you think about the go-to-market strategy, right? So some typical elements of what you want to go after is like defining you know, what, who you're going to go after, what is the value that you're going to deliver to them, right? Uh, third is like making sure like what is needed, how are you going to go after them? And that piece comes into like distribution, right? Um, 
Do you want to go through sales? Do you want to, can you bring them through marketing? Is it just your website? How are you going to go about that? And that's really on the how, but the first two questions that you really need to be able to answer either through the company strategy or in the GTM strategy element is, who are you going after with your target customer, target audience? And what is the value that is being delivered to them um, through the product? Uh, and then it comes into how you're going to make sure that you deliver that value. Um, so that's the, the high level strategy that you have. And a lot of the, the RevOps functions is going, to, it's really important that you're involved in the who and what value piece as much as the how, because I've seen a lot of times that, uh, you know, the RevOps leader is not as, it's so focused on, you know, and, and this is not by anybody's like fault, but it's like you're, you're like in day to day that you don't have the, you focus mostly on the how and not the who and what value is being delivered. But I think it's so important for you to be a part of that dialogue and that decision-making process such that you're able to translate it to the how you are going after each one of these uh, opportunities in a meaningful way because you've truly internalized what it means to uh, you know, deliver value to the customer. Um, and so I think that that is so important for um, DevOps to be a part of. And the how piece is where the playbooks, the process and everything comes in. And um, that's that's sort of how I look at it. And that's how Notion does a lot of the, the, the planning. There's actually a lot of questions on this topic. So I'm going to skip to these and then go back to David and Jared. Um, Daniel, who seems to be uh, calling in from the LinkedIn office, do you want to give the follow-up question to this topic? Hey, um, yeah. Thanks, Alexa. Um, and hi, Nam. Um, I'm on your team at LinkedIn, so I've heard a lot about you. Excited to finally hear from you. Hey, Daniel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just going to ask about that. When you're executing these strategies, sometimes they're built with a lot of cross-functional input, sometimes not. But always when you execute, you're going to need that cross-functional alignment. So how do you how do you think about those R&Rs and clearly defining them as you execute yeah. these strategies? Yeah. Daniel, great question. And I hope the team over there is doing well. Tell them I said hello. Uh, but uh, as in terms of your cross-functional collaboration, right? So I think that, I think everybody, we need to have a one, in my perspective, I think the best ways to go about it is to have a one team mindset. Like ultimately we're here to get a job done, right? Whether this person does the job, that person does the job, doesn't matter as much as long as we get the job done. And I think that uh, the, 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 you know, it's very cliched, but like getting that alignment that ultimately we're in this together and we're here to get a job, the single outcome driven uh, is so important because then it matters less around roles and responsibilities and becomes less transactional and becomes more like a growth owner's mindset. And I think that ultimately almost everybody in the cross-functional team needs to have an owner's mindset because especially again in this dynamic environment, you may find like, you know, your product marketing partner may not have the bandwidth to do this. So then in that case, can you step in and just make sure that this work gets through? But understanding that, that you know, you're in this together and we should all have an owner's mindset is the first principles of like being able to drive uh, cross-functional, strong cross-functional collaboration. And then, of course, you can have an understanding being like, hey, let's do a divide and conquer because it doesn't make sense for everyone to try and do everything uh, and say, like, you focus on this and I focus on this. Um, and so I think that um, in LinkedIn, it was a little different because I think that the lines are more 
clearly defined between different functions, but I still think the best cross-functional teams that I experienced at LinkedIn were ones where the lines were blurry and we were just focused on an owner's mindset and getting this across the line, despite who did it. But in a, especially in, a, in like us in a company like Slack or Notion, it becomes even more important because you may not have all the resourcing, you may not have all the, the pieces in place. And so understanding that ultimately it's an outcome that you're coming together to drive. And no matter who does the job, it's still a win for the team is 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 should be the the perspective going into any cross-functional collaboration. And I think that works. That's what I've seen work well. Well, I'm going to go back up to David's question because I think we covered this a little, but it is an awesome question. David, if you want to unmute. Yeah, thanks, Alexa. Nam, thanks so much for, um, I think, your insights on how Notion builds product-led sales go-to-market strategy. I think you talked about, like, you know, you need to define who are we going after, what value are we going to deliver, and basically, like, how are we going to go after them? Um, I'm curious, kind of, like, in that respect, like, what role do you see like RevOps really playing in like the product-led sales strategy? Like what pieces mm -hmm. really feel like that RevOps is kind of uniquely positioned to own or drive? Um, I think that would be a great, love to get your insights on that. Right. I think that RevOps is, um, is uniquely position to drop to create and drive the um, entire quarter market strategy in my mind. Um, I think that it is a collaboration to determine what the who and the ICP along with marketing and sales leadership. There is a collaboration with products to understand the product value and what value customers can you know derive from your product. So that's the what and the how I think that RevOps is the leader in this way where you know you need to figure out what's the path to really be able to take something to market. And this is where uh, you know, the biggest role is typically played of, um, of, uh, of RevOps. So if I were to like put against this, because we're all, we're mostly people out here, uh, is um, I would say like, you know, I would say it's in the first, in the who it's like a 30 to 50% of effort, RevOps effort. In the what, it's maybe 20 to 30%. And in the how, it's probably like 80, 80% um, with input from sales leadership. Awesome. And I think we have time for one more topic. I'm going to ask Jared's question because this gets a little bit on a different topic, but knowing your background, I'd be very curious for your, for your response to this. So Jared had a hop, but he asked how you think about monetization and optimizing, optimizing both self-serve and sales revenue without cannibalizing either channel. I think every single sales organization at a PLG company I've ever talked to, worked with, et cetera, has not figure this out. So I'd be curious as a monetization expert, can you solve all our problems? Yeah, uh, I think that, you know, it's it's uh, that's a really, really hard one to solve because it's very difficult to basically be able to predict what would have happened and what could have happened. Um, and so I would say that it's a very, unless I had a crystal ball, I wouldn't necessarily be able to predict uh, that uh, the outcome of the cannibalization question, because you're essentially projecting out uh, what, you know, could have happened. But I think that as I think about this, uh, especially in the early growth uh, stages, or in, even in the growth, in the, even in, I would say even if LinkedIn, I think this was a very similar um, piece you the both the self-serve and sales assisted should motions should be focused on market share and driving value uh to uh customers and then 
following that up with monetization, right? Which is why the pallet model is so successful, which is like first people do a free trial, they get the value, they see the value, and then they, they scale that up. So essentially what you're trying to simulate across both motions and maybe in sales, it's more scaled way is that you're driving the value first and you're really able to like sell the value first and then be able to monetize. So I think that the, the way to think about it is um, you really need to be able to figure out how are you, how effective are both emotions, self-serve and sales assisted in getting to where you want to go, which is grabbing as much market share as well as driving value for your customers. For example, in self-serve, especially for the larger companies, what, what, I've, what I've typically seen across both Slack and Notion is that it, it, the penetration typically um, plateaus. You get to maybe 10 to 20% of your company and you don't get to that 100% wall-to-wall penetration. So in that case, you know that's where your sales assistant motion is really being, being able to up-level uh, and drive that incrementality that uh, you would have not ordinarily have seen. Right. Uh, so being able to observe where in certain instances things have been able to organically happen, if you if you think your product has has reached some sort of some level of uh, product market fit and maturity, um, and then being able to observe those that, that 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 specific data and and figure out like if the goal is market share, like and you're not really able to get to your customers to beyond twenty percent for the most part might as well sell now, right? Even if it's at a discounted price and then you can always increase prices later. Um, and so I think that that's how to think about it is like, how do you do as much to drive market share penetration or get like the full, for example, for Slack and Notion, it's knowledge workers. Like let's get all the knowledge workers on Slack and Notion. So getting going wall to wall is, is a core part of the company's strategy. And so if you're at 20% and you're not getting that over time, let's get sales assistant, even if it's at a discounted rate to like go after all these customers to get there. But maybe in the less than 100 space, you're getting to that 50, 100% penetration just more organically. Um, or you're getting to 50% penetration and then you just have to do some more marketing techniques and lifecycle marketing to get them to the, the full 100%. But I think that either way is like, you should throw like cannibalization out of the, the window and really think about what are you trying to achieve and in most cases, it's value and market share because that's what drives sustainable growth. And if you think that whichever motion is able to achieve and get that for you for that specific set of customers, that's probably the best way to look at it and not worry about like, what if? Maybe somebody could have like, I don't know, come in and decided to buy like this, buy a full, I don't know, 10,000 seat, per, uh, uh, 10, seat purchase online. Is that possible? Yes. What's the probability of it? Probability that that happens? Pretty damn low, but it's possible, right? Uh, but so that's why it's very difficult. And so will that will you can count that as a cannibalized customer? Yes, if, because there's like still a you know one percent probability that it could happen. So I think that that's just it's we, you just get it into like a a virtuous cycle of uh, attribution if you go that route. And so I think it's really about trying to figure out where do you want to go. And what is the best way to get there? Even if around the edges, you're probably going to see some sort of, you know, potential cannibalization. As long as it gets you there, right? Ultimately, it's still market share that you're getting. It's still people that you're getting on board. And so as long as you're thinking about that strategically, you're able to um, optimize it in a way that is less constraining, I think, than um, the current state. That goes back to the first thing we talked about with first principles. It's 
what is the company goal? What is the strategy? What are you optimizing for right now? And then how do we, because you can't have everything. You need to figure out what do we want to lean into and like, where do we set the rules of engagement and our boundaries to align to what our company strategy is? So I think that was extremely well said. And there really isn't a silver bullet for this question. And it, it probably will fluctuate as your business evolves and grows and different things become a priority. Um, Nam, this was incredible. I feel like this group could have gone on for another hour, just probing questions. I actually cannot believe how many topics we <laughs> got through. So that was impressive. So I hope you get to take a breathing break after this, but I just want to say, thank you so much. That was truly incredible. I learned so much. I know the community learned so much. If folks have questions, um, where can they reach you? And I know you're hiring. So if people are interested also in a role, where could they find you or the team? Yes, you can You can find me on LinkedIn. Please send me an email. I'm very responsive to emails. Uh, I will be looking at it. But if you want to send me an email, I'm nom at notion.com. Make notion.com. I'll put my, um, I can put my uh, email in uh, after this uh, AMA. Perfect. Alexa, maybe you can just send it to the, yeah, the group as well. Definitely. Yep. Sandy also just put it in. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Nam. Also, if you're in RevOps, she's hiring and I would want to work for Nam in a heart heartbeat. So <laughs> very, no, very, sad. very appreciative of you. I will talk to you soon and see you the rest of the community at the next AMA.